Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. The danger is, is you can use this stuff to predict what the customer is going to do, but that's under normal circumstances. It's when you get to that 10% where something strange happens and you're misinterpreting customer behavior at that point because that's not necessarily the norm. I am a little bit nervous around the margins, though, when we turn over too much of this prediction to uh, modeling of data and also especially to AI processes. I, I'm, I'm always going to be pushing back and encouraging the inclusion of a little bit of theory. Should England even have a national soccer team? Good, provocative, thoughtful questions. We invented football, mate. Yeah. And notice I, I called it football, I didn't call yeah. it soccer. <laughs> and then we reinvented football and made it more violent. <laughs> So, Ryan, a little while ago, and when I say a little while ago, I have to now premise that, don't I? Because I, that, I'm now talking about three years ago. So maybe I was say that, that could cover eons, um, <laughs> given how squirrely time has been post-COVID. Like time, I don't even know what time you know, means anymore. Yeah, yeah. It, instead of BC, you should have PC, shouldn't you? Uh, which is pre-COVID or post-COVID, maybe. Maybe the problem with PC is that yeah, it, both it, well, it also could still be before COVID. Work, yeah. You're just changing the C. <laughs> I feel like you're making things more complicated than they need to be. Colin. Hey, maybe we should start this podcast again. Should we? Should we <laughs> let, let's start. Uh, hey, Ryan. <laughs> do, you, do you remember a while ago when we started this podcast? And, uh, and yeah, about three years ago. Into meaninglessness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, classic. So anyway, I was looking back at some of the episodes and and. I used to talk a lot about seven key strategic questions mm-hmm. to clients. Uh, this was going back a few years ago. And I suddenly thought, I need to update those. And I, I, I haven't updated those for bloody ages, actually. And I thought to myself, coming, you know, as we're now in 2023, maybe having three, seven key strategic questions was a, was a good idea. So I've updated them. So these are, these are questions that you would use with clients or business leaders to just encourage them to think a little bit more deeply about their businesses, about like, how would you use these? So these are, I would describe these as provocations. Okay. So these are for clients, for anybody that's interested really in customer experience to effectively go, does your organization know the answers to these? So provocative questions, like is the... English men's national soccer team just not very good. That, that kind of like, no, that, get that, people thinking. That is called a lie. <laughs> it was a question. I'm just asking questions over here. That was a lie phrased okay. in a question. <laughs> this is good. I like this. So um, thinking deeply about stuff, we're, we're provoking. Yeah. We're provoking thinking. Okay, so what typically happens when I go through these types of questions is people don't know the answer. Sure. And and that's part of the reason for asking the question because it then makes people go, I've never even thought about that. 
and therefore you know, let's we can talk a bit about why they should think about them. So seven key questions. Good. A couple of these are, are old, but I think that they are still relevant. Let's just jump into it, and then we'll we'll talk about it as we go. Great. So put yourself in the sense that you're in an organization and you're looking to improve your experience. Okay. And I'm, I'm asking you these questions. So the first question is an old one and I've been asking this for 20 years now, not many organizations actually come up with a coherent reply to this still. And the question is, what's the experience that you're trying to deliver? Yeah. Most organizations can't answer that question. They Interestingly enough, individually, people can answer the question. So uh, when you turn around, so it's a bit like, I mean, let's think about your university at the moment. If you went around and said, well, what's the experience we're trying to give our students? I'm sure all the faculty would give you an answer. Okay. But the interesting bit is that I lay your money that all the answers are different. And I also lay your money. It's not something that the organization has agreed upon and it's a set in a direction that they're trying to trying to head yeah yeah so i i would anticipate that some of these seven questions when you ask people they just they don't have answers they don't know that's not the problem with this one the problem may be too many answers kind of not yeah by the very nature of it being a strategic question for me the answer should also be strategic answer so it's an important strategy question because the danger is is if you don't know what the experience is you're trying to deliver then all the different parts of the organization end up doing something different so by definition it's different and therefore that's why in my view or one of the reasons why you get customer service doing one thing marketing doing something else sales doing something else and the customer going i'm feeling the difference between all of these areas to give you uh, the example I always use is um, Line. So we had Michelle Patterson, if you remember on the show a little while ago, talking about five rules for a successful CX program. And uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. One of the things that we help Line define, and they improved their net promoter score by 40 points over 30 months, that led to a 10% rise in shipping volumes was they wanted their customers to feel trust, cared for, and pleased. So in every interaction, it was, we want our customers to say they trust us. They want to say that they we feel that Merceline care for us, and they want us to feel say they feel pleased with Merceline. By the way, the interesting thing for me of that is those are also emotions. Again, typically what organizations say is, I want customers to feel we're convenient or reliable. And I'm not saying those things are bad. And I'm not saying that those things shouldn't be part of the experience you're trying to deliver. I'm just saying that those things tend to be, again, sort of more left brain things. Yeah. Okay. Second key strategic question. And this, so that is sort of looking at the customer. So we know, and again, we've talked about this long and hard in previous podcasts, that the experience that you give your customers is a derivative of the how customer-centric your organization is. So again, key strategic question becomes how customer-centric is your organization? And again, we've talked 
long and hard about our way that we talk about it, which is naive. Are you naive? Are you transactional? Are you enlightened? Are you are you unnatural? But defining how or, or being able to define how customer centric the organization is as well, and therefore what it would deliver to the to the customer. Does that make sense? When you ask that question to organizations, do you find that they tend to not know or that they tend to think they know and are just overly optimistic in answering? Actually, it's quite ironic, really, because I actually find that organizations tend to be more pessimistic oh, interesting. in their, their view of themselves. So when you ask them that question, a lot of them will say, yeah, we're not very customer-oriented at all. Yeah, and I wouldn't say they're overly pessimistic. So it's not like, Accurate you know, the, yeah, I mean, it just they're a bit below where they should be, but oh. they, they tend to knock themselves more than they potentially should. Oh, that's interesting. If you take naive organizations are, couldn't care less about customers, transactional as the majority of organizations, enlightened is where they start to see that there's a whole thing around customer experience and natural are the organizations who are naturally focused around the customer. Most organizations, even today, and it's interesting actually, because I think that they are going backwards at the moment, as witnessed by the, we're at a 17 year low in customer sat, right. they're declining in their customer centricity because they're retrenching what they are doing it's a bit about part of it. This for me is a bit about leopards don't change their spots. A lot of organizations are naturally focused around themselves rather than the customer. And therefore, they tend to be more transactional or naive, is where I would put them. Those are two fairly common ones common questions, but I'm now going to hit you with some new strategic questions. We're going to do a whole show based upon this next question. Okay. And this is something that where I've interviewed at the beginning of this year, we'll put again a link in the show notes where we had what I call the three amigos, which is me, Joe Pine and Lou Carbone, who have been in this game now for 20 years. Joe actually wrote the first book on this subject, The Experience Economy. And Lou wrote, I think, like the second book, which is called Clued In. Um, and I think I wrote the third book. So we've been on many stages together over the years and we get on well. But one of the things that Joe talked about last time I spoke to him was, I phrased this into a question. And the question is, how would customers articulate the time they spent with you? So that's the strategic question. How would customers articulate the time they spent with you? And Joe would put it into these three categories, which you and I are going to spend some time debating on another show. He would put it into time well saved, time well spent, or time well invested. And I guess the nuance here for me is I've always found it different being in what I would call Joe's area, which is, so Joe tends to deal much more in experiences, experiential experiences, if you want to okay. put it that way. So in other words, like the Disney's. Theme parks, restaurants. Restaurants, yeah, where you can you can put a bit of, Joe calls it theatre, you know, yeah. but 
experiential things. Whereas I've always dealt more in the more practical end, I would call it. In, in, in other words, services kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, utilities and cable companies and. I mean, people who think there's no theater and water utilities just aren't looking closely. They're not. They're not. Yeah. They just don't know what they're talking about, do they? And I think that's a difference. So what Joe would say here, and I'm not going to rattle on about this too long because we'll say we'll do another show on this. So customer experience, my part of customer experience, is more about time well saved. Yeah. Okay? Is the customer saying that was time well saved? So in other words you know that I had a problem recently with UPS. The amount of time that I've spent trying to sort that out right. has evoked a lot of negative emotions for me, okay? Because it wasn't time well spent. In fact, it was completely the opposite of yeah. that. Second area is, or oh, is it time well saved? So is it time well spent is more, it's more like watching a game of football or soccer. It's more like going to the theatre. Is it doing something that I'm enjoying doing? So is it, it's like going to Disney. That's time well spent. And the last one is time well invested, which is, I guess, to a certain extent, what you do, isn't it, really, when you think about it? On my best days, I hope that's what I'm delivering. Absolutely, yeah. And maybe you're doing it as time well spent as well. Maybe, you know, people are enjoying it. and but No, not if I can help it. It's, uh, it's all misery as soon as you enter the door. Like I'll, I'll joke around to the afterwards. but uh, uh, No, that is an interesting distinction. I, I look forward to debating that with you. And Yeah, having your mind, third one is how would customers articulate the time they spent with you? Would they say it's time well saved? Would they say it's time well spent? Would they say it's time well invested? I guess all the opposites of those things. Right, yeah. I was going to say, those are all framed in terms of positives which is correct but yes. uh, when things go wrong uh, yes. we need to come up with negative framing on, uh, of those three for our discussion fourth key strategic question for me is what do customers really want and what drives or destroys value and again we've talked about this one long and hard but i think again it's important so the interesting one is for me here the interesting bit is the last one was about the time well spent is what the customer is saying, okay? What drives value is what the organization would say. Right. Because you could have customers going, well, that's time well saved. But actually, if that time well saved doesn't drive any value for the organization, then why in the bloody hell are you doing it? Now, Having said that, you could then turn around and go, well, actually, if the customer's saying it's time well saved, then the amount of value that the customer would get from that would actually translate into customer loyalty, and therefore it does drive some well, form of value. Potentially, like I don't, I don't want you to undermine your point here because it's a good one. When I am teaching my MBA students, a lot of times I will draw. In fact, I do this several times a semester, where I will draw a very simple Venn diagram on the board. And one of the circles is customer value. In other words, things that the customers want. Yeah. And the other is company value. In other words, things that the company wants. Yeah. And then there's that sliver in between where they overlap. And I, I just emphasize you need to be there. Like it, yes. 
there are things you can do as a company that kind of give the store away to the customers, which is great. You're going to have very loyal, very happy customers. At the end of the day, though, if it's not driving value to the company, you're not going to be around, not going to be around very long. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, I think it's no, very important. I, and I love yeah. that that you have a, a provocative question on both sides of those because I think that firms need to examine yes. both sides of that. No, I I agree. And again, the key issue here is the difference between what customers say that they want and what they actually want. So the example I've used many, many times on the show, Disney know that people say they'd like to have an option of a salad when they go to a theme park. Disney also know people don't eat salads when they go to theme parks. They eat hot dogs and hamburgers. So there is a difference between what customers tell you that they want and what they actually want. And sometimes they know themselves that they're effectively I was just about to say lying. I won't say lying. I'll say misleading you. Yeah. For whatever reason. Yeah. Misunderstanding yes, themselves. Yeah. Yes. Or they just don't realize what's actually driving value yeah. themselves. So, I mean, a, a construction company, a construction equipment company we used, one of the, not we used, that sounds like we're in the construction industry. I'm not. When they were selling their construction equipment, Typically, customers would turn around and say, we want construction equipment that's good value for money, that has got a high resale value, the parts are available, blah, 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 you know, typical things. But what we discovered was that wasn't the case. Those things were important, but they weren't as important as getting the customer to feel that they cared for them as a person, as an example. So the key question is, go back to the question, what do your customers really want so don't just show me the classic research that you've done it's the the unsaid things and can you prove again that those things drive drive value does that make sense absolutely yeah why not let colin and ryan speak at your next conference as you can hear they're great communicators and can get over a message in a simple inspiring and humorous way Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. Fifth one, and again, this is a new one for me, but an important one. How well do you predict customer behavior? So how well are you taking those inputs and then predicting what the customer is doing or will do next, okay? I guess I could extend that one to say, so even if you're predicting it, are you then doing anything with the predictions? I think predicting and providing a proactive experience to customers over the next decade is going to be where that competitive battleground, the next competitive battleground is. because. Uh, and again, we've talked about this on the show before, we're already starting to see organizations, Apple do it on my phone. They turn around and go, hey, typically you listen to this radio station at this point. Do you want us to put it on? Typically this is, you know, you're doing this at this point. Do you want us to do that for you? So they're already starting to provide that. When I get in the car Tuesday evenings and plug my phone in, my Apple map is able to say, oh, do you, are you going to your daughter's ballet studio and pull yes. up the, the directions for that? Cause that's where I go Tuesday nights and at the same time. Yeah. 
In fact, I noticed it when I went into a Starbucks the other day. It had clearly worked out where I was near a Starbucks, and I think it had even pulled up my Starbucks app, if my memory mm. shows me correctly. And it even took over your car and drove it into the parking spot in front of the Starbucks as you were trying to pull away. Correct. The, yeah. yeah. And in fact, it even drank a drink for me. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and apparently it was very nice. I mean, uh, in defense of your iPhone, Colin, being around you is exhausting and uh, <laughs> sometimes just requires some caffeine. So, Yeah, I could see that happening. Yeah. Predicting uh, is very important. I will add to this, and this reflects some of my own bias, and I will own that. The tools that we have for predicting are incredible and powerful and getting more powerful all the time. I am a little bit nervous around the margins, though, when we turn over too much of this prediction to uh, modeling uh, of data and also especially to AI processes, I, I'm, I'm always going to be pushing back and encouraging the inclusion of a little bit of theory there as well. So there, there are essentially a few different ways we have to predict things. One is we have a theory of how something works and we can predict based off of that. And then models and then AI is even just a, one step further. We kind of turn some of that over to math over to a, a statistical system and the danger that I mean, we, we all have evidence of how powerful those can be and i think for for a lot of tactical predictions you know like predicting where we're going or predicting what song you might like next um those are very very powerful what makes me nervous is we might be like handing over the reins to a system that we don't fully understand and can't fully make use of when the environment changes so your model is only going to be good as past behavior that fits yeah. the model. And so if we're in a dynamic system where things are changing, we might not be very responsive in that way, unless we also have some kind of theoretical understanding of what our customer values, what they find important. Are you saying that because of the lack of understanding of behavioral science or are you, why are you saying that? Yeah, so, so there are a couple of ways you can go about building your model if you're gonna use this kind of predictive analytics stuff. Yeah. And some of it is purely discovery-based. So this is these are machine learning techniques where it's like, we have no idea what the connections are between things. Go and find something. Yeah. Um, and again, those can be incredibly powerful and they can result in real genuine insights, which is, is great. Uh, but they can also be machine learning and, and AI can be kind of a black box systems where it's producing outcome that's useful, but we don't, we don't know why. We don't, we don't know what's, what's driving that. And as long as the system is static should be fine. But when things start shifting and we need to now adjust and figure out where we're going to go next, or we, we want to introduce a new product, for example, those systems can can inhibit us a little bit unless we've got an understanding, a strategic understanding of what our customers want, what's driving their decision making. And so I, I, I encourage a, a marrying of both, which is, I think, your definition of customer science is combining kind of the theory, behavioral science side with the AI and statistical side. So I, I guess I it was a long way of coming around to saying that I agree with you. It's such a painful thing for me to admit that I agree with you, <laughs> that I kind of have to take a 2000 word tangent in order to get there. Um, so that's where we are. Well, not only have you taken a 2000 word tangent to get there, but you've actually virtually told me the strategic question six, oh, which well, there is you go. how well are you embracing the new wave of customer science? I mean, that's fine. Can you rephrase that question in 2,000 words or more? 
no, mate, I'm not in academia, so I'm not used to doing it. I'm <laughs> used to coming up with sort of job. short, more punchy, salient yeah. Nobody wants pieces. that, yeah, nobody wants that. <laughs> I'll get back to you with a book chapter. <laughs> so let's build on that. Let's build on that um, because that's, uh, that is the sixth strategic question. So let me just answer that and we'll dive into that in a bit more detail. How well are you embracing the new wave of customer science? Again, we'll put links in the show notes for people who haven't heard of this whole area of customer science. But customer science for me is the fusion of data, AI, and behavioral science. So I guess it's looking at what you were just saying, really, Ryan, isn't it? Yeah. Which is, so what I'm seeing a lot of is people looking at data. And in fact, we recorded the podcast the other day, didn't we? About because then you're getting into an interesting question about, well, what data? Because if you're only looking at your database, then that's a big mistake. But, you know, or are you taking it to a much wider context of pulling in data from different data sources, et cetera, et cetera? So data, AI, and the danger is, is you're only looking at those two and you're not doing that behavioral science part, which basically is the interpretation of, what's happening and why that's happening. As a a behavioral science proponent, as somebody who's been working on that side, I I will also speak to the weakness of just having a behavioral science approach. Um, If you're just looking at it from the perspective of theory, I've seen examples where people can kind of become disconnected from the reality of it. And so I think combining these three is powerful. But as you were talking... And talking and talking. Go and ahead. talking, yeah. And I was falling asleep and I was thinking, what in the hell is he talking about? If um, only I hadn't given my <laughs> iPhone my caffeine. <laughs> it did make me think about in the early days of the Big Bang, the financial well, We're going Big way bang. back now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking about the finance Big Bang. And I think oh. this only happened in, in the UK, actually. So in about the eight milliseconds of the creation of the universe. All right, go ahead. Tie that back into customer science. I'm listening. So in the early days, uh, uh, well, in the 1980s, there was a a financial big bang in the UK, which basically was the name given to the deregulation of the financial authorities. Okay. And one of the things that happened was interesting was they started to have computers that would say, when this happens, do this. And then they entered into some choppy waters. The FTSE, I think, went down dramatically. The reason it went down dramatically was because they had set the models up to sell the stock when it reached a certain point, and they hadn't made the allowance for these unusual patterns. And so it got to that point, and suddenly everything was bloody sold. So the point I'm trying to make is this, which is I'm sure that this is going to be the case as we get into this prediction. And the, the, the really interesting thing that you were saying was that the danger is, is you can use this stuff to predict what the, what the customer is going to do, but that's under normal circumstances. Right. It's when you get to that 10% where something strange happens and you're misinterpreting customer behavior at that point because that's not necessarily the norm. I didn't realize this one would have so much debate. I mean, one of the light bulb moments I, I get out of my students is when I, I point out the fact that, you know, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to dissuade people from, from models or from AI or from any of that. I think it's tremendously powerful, but it's always inherently backward looking. It's based on the data that you have. 
and that you know I'm a marketing professor, and the the entire purpose of marketing is disruption. Like we we want things to be different than they are now. We want to introduce new products. We want to change prices. We want to all of this needs to be approached with some caution if you're in a dynamic situation. And the fact is, we all are all the time. Yes. No. Absolutely. So the seventh one. Let's go on and talk about the seventh one. So seventh key strategic question. Are the memories you build with customers deliberate? Mm. So are the memories that you're building with your customers deliberate? That's good. That's got baked in there the fact that you are creating memories for your customers. Just correct. Are you aware? Yeah. Are you aware? Are you actually doing it as an output? So again, we'll put links in the show notes, but uh, we did a mini series on the whole area of customers' memories. Ryan and I wrote in our book, The Intuitive Customer, which this podcast is based on, basically. We we wrote about the fact that customer loyalty is a function of memory. I'm not going to rattle into the whole that whole area again. Go back and listen to that. But most organizations haven't again thought about the memory they are building with their customers. And most organizations, and it's certainly not deliberate, they haven't thought about it. They're creating memories, but they're not deliberate. Seven key strategic questions. First one, what is the experience that you're trying to deliver? Second one, how customer-centric is your organization? Third one, how would customers articulate the time they spend with you? And that breaks down into time well saved, time well spent, time well invested. Fourth one is what do customers really want and what drives and destroys value? Yeah. Fifth one, how well do you predict customer behavior? Sixth one, how well are you embracing the new wave of change of customer science? And seventh one, are the memories you build with customers deliberate? For me, if you are listening and embracing all the stuff that we're talking about on this podcast, which I believe is where the future of customer experience and everything else lay, then you should be able to answer those questions. My belief is that most organizations, there's probably only, I would suggest, 10% of organizations around the globe that could answer all those questions, in my view. Uh, any other pearls of wisdom from you, mate? In minor defense of organizations that can't answer these questions well, it's easy to understand why. Like we all get we get caught up in doing the job day to day. There are fires to be put out all the time. You know, you got to make your quarterly earnings. You got to write up these reports. So we're naturally focused on what's in front of our noses. So I, I love this approach of periodically standing back and you know taking a little mini retreat with uh, some leaders in your in your office or taking uh, some time at the beginning of, of periodic staff meetings and just and asking some big questions like yes like really stepping back and thinking about it and giving some room to not be focused on what needs to be done immediately because you can lose sight of what needs to be done over the next several years yeah and that's a lot of what we do with this really as, as yeah. I said at the beginning it's a provocation. And it gets people thinking, and it gets people thinking, hey, I don't know the answer to that question, and why in the bloody hell is he asking me that question in the first place? And then that engenders a whole series of conversations. 
should England even have a national soccer team? I mean, like just good, provocative, thoughtful questions that you might you may lose sight of if you're too close to something. Yeah, we invented football, mate. Yeah, and, yeah. and notice I I called it football. I didn't call yeah. it soccer. <laughs> And then we reinvented football and made it more violent. <laughs> yeah. And you play the football where you don't use your feet no. and you call it football. No, we're just better Makes at sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we hope that's been of, uh, of use. Uh, please use these questions when, when talking to people with, in your organization. Thanks very much. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Cheers. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer. The Intuitive Customer.